Welcome back to Bootability, a weekly interview series about the amazing ability we all have to change our lives and the world if we're brave enough to tap into it. I'm your host, Jihi Jolly. Today we're talking with Nicholas Spain of Chicago, who started chanting Nam Myoho Rengekyo at the beginning of last year, when he remembered having heard about Buddhism and decided to look it up. Like many of us, the stress of the pandemic, the constant stream of negative news, and big questions about his own life and future made him wish he could find a fresh path forward. Eventually, he started practicing Buddhism, and today, he walks us through exactly what that journey looked like. This episode is especially helpful for anyone who's been listening for a while, but unsure what to do next. Here's Nick. My name is Nicholas Spain. I work in sales and marketing for a property management company, and I live in Chicago, Illinois. And uh, if you don't mind my asking, how old are you? I'm 30 years old. Okay, got it. Right, we're going to discuss this a little, I think. <laughs> um, so so let's start with this story. I understand that you have not been practicing SGI Nietzsche and Buddhism for that long. Um, you just started last year. So can you just tell us, like, how did you discover it? Um, and then when did you start chanting Nam Myoho Renge Kyo and why? Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you so much for having me on. This is very exciting. Um, so I'll do my best in sharing what I can. Um, so I was first introduced to this Buddhism, it was actually six or seven years ago at this point. Um, it was a very brief introduction. I was serving tables at a restaurant here in Chicago. It was a pizza place. Um, and one night a group of friends came in and we hit it off right away. I was their server. We started talking and eventually one of the guys in the group mentioned they were Buddhist and he invited me to come chant. And, you know, I politely said yes and that sounds good. And we exchanged information. And to be honest, I never followed up. I, you know, he got me connected to the local group, but never went to any meetings, never followed up with anyone. It was kind of out of sight, out of mind. Fast forward to the beginning of last year, 2021. And the best way I could describe it was just that I was feeling really stuck. Um, you know, we were entering the second year of the pandemic and, you know, everywhere I looked just in the news, there seemed to be, you know, just so much devastation and suffering, the political climate, um, the climate crisis, you know, and in my own life, I think I was bouncing around positions within the corporate world. I wasn't serving tables anymore, but, you know, I enjoyed my work, but I wasn't feeling very passionate about it. So all of this is kind of going through my head one night. And on top of it all, you know, 
I was about to turn 30. Um, I turned 30 last year. So, you know, that is kind of prompting all these questions. Like, what am I doing with my life? Where am I going with my life? What do I want this next decade to look like? Um, So I was thinking about all of this and a thought just popped into my head. Like, I wonder what that Buddhist guy you met six years ago (laughs) is up to. You know, I was like, wow, some like peace and happiness sounds good right now. Like, I wonder, I wonder what he's up to. Um, So I had lost this person's contact information. I didn't even remember his name. I was looking through my phone, but I had gotten a new phone and, you know, going through old emails and eventually came across an email to like an invitation to the local group. And, you know, that's when I kind of connected it. And I was like, oh, this is, this is SGI, you know, Soka Gakkai. And, um, I, it kind of just took off from there. So I initially wondered if the SGI had any podcasts I could listen to (laughs) since I really love podcasts. And sure enough, you know, I typed it in and bootability popped up and, uh, I devoured all the podcasts. Um, so it's kind of strange that I'm here now, um, kind of in a roundabout (laughs) way, um, because this was such, you know, a huge reason of why I started practicing. Um, and it was a great introduction to the practice for me. Um, but yeah, so I, I listened to the podcast and was so inspired with each episode. And then I went to the online SGI bookstore and I started reading introductory books and then, um, you know, kind of beginning of 2021 started chanting Nam Yoho Renge Kyo in the morning and started receiving a lot of benefit from that in my life. And from there kind of reached out to the Buddhist community in my area. And that's, that's kind of how I started. Hmm. Yeah, that's such an awesome story. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, I, I have a couple of follow-ups before before we move on, um, which is well, first, just for context, like had you already been um, practicing anything or did you have a spiritual or religious practice or was this like your very first time kind of doing anything? I'd been seeking for sure. I think my whole life, I mean... I grew up loosely Christian um, based practice. You know, I think for a while when we were young, we would go to church, Um, but I don't know that that lasted very long. And, you know, for a while didn't have anything. Um, Had looked into other Buddhist traditions, um, had tried more like silent meditation and, that just wasn't for me. I I really, um, I couldn't keep up with that and don't know that I was getting that much benefit. Um, But I was looking for something that I could do daily that sort of could help set a rhythm to my day and my life. And I think that's what initially sparked 
an interest in this chanting.、Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I was going to ask you exactly that next. Like, was there some specific idea that like, resonated as you're you know, listening to podcasts, reading books, basically exploring entirely on your own?、Um, yeah, I'm wondering, like, do you remember the day you were like, I like this specifically and I'm going to try chanting?、Um, so I. Have studied theater. I got a theater degree.、Um, I have done acting, and part of that work is exploring with your voice.、Um, mm. And I, in that context, I had learned how stress relieving and、um, just how powerful like using your voice can be.、Um, And I think that's what initially sparked my interest. And I think since then, I've read about how chanting, similar to singing, you know, can help relieve stress. It helps manage anxiety. There are studies that have shown this. And、mm. I think that's what initially sparked my interest was something that I could viscerally use、um, to. Relieve stress and help manage anxiety.、Um, and so I think that is what initially sparked my interest.、Um, it was kind of funny, like the first time I started chanting, like, you know, because you're, you're a little nervous and you don't know necessarily what these words mean. And I, I live with my partner, and, you know, I remember kind of like, Giving him a heads up, I was like, hey, I'm gonna start chanting. Like, you might hear <laughs> some chanting from the other room. And he's so supportive, you know, he's like, oh, cool.、Um, but yeah, so I had to give him a heads up. But、uh, yeah, so that's what initially sparked my interest was I think being able to use my voice as well.、Mm. Yeah, that's yeah, also really interesting. You know, we say,、uh, or in Buddhism, you know, maybe you've, you've read this, but that the voice does the Buddha's work,、um, both in terms of chanting, actually, you know, being out loud with our voices, but also such a tremendous element of Buddhist practices engaging in dialogue with other people,、um, which I'm sure, you know, we'll talk about that too. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting that that's what resonated right away with you.、Um, So, so then, what, what happened once you started chanting? You said you, you started experiencing benefits.、Um, I'm curious, like in the early days, like as you sort of got comfortable with chanting first, like how did it feel? What was going through your mind? And then,、um, yeah, what, what changed such that you decided to actually continue? So, I think the biggest thing that I noticed initially. Was that I was feeling much calmer after I chanted.、Um, you know, I'm someone who's, I think, dealt with anxiety and stress. And, you know, I could, I noticed after I chanted that my racing thoughts started to slow down and I just felt. Much more present. I felt calm. I felt more at peace.、Um, and I think one of the biggest things that I noticed so in this Buddhism, we 
there's this concept of winning in the morning. And I think that's one of the ideas that really stuck out to me. Um, my mornings were a mess. Like, to be completely honest, prior to chanting, my mornings were a mess. To give you an example, it would be like, alarm goes off, snooze button three times. You know, at this point, I'm running late. I'm waking up stressed. First thing I do is, you know, start scrolling on social media and you're instantly bombarded with bad news, pandemic. Um, you know, I'm late to work. I'm fighting traffic on the way there. Um, showing up to work late. Um, feeling bad about that. Um, not getting a good breakfast, not setting myself up for success. And so this was kind of happening every single morning. And my poor partner, you know, had to like see me in these mornings running around, you know, um, you know, right as he's waking up as well. And so the biggest thing that I noticed when I started chanting in the morning, and at first it was really like five minutes, you know, that's really all I could get in. Mm-hmm. Um, but my mornings started to improve and all of a sudden I like noticed myself waking up on time and I'm doing this chanting and I'm really committing myself to it and even five, 10 minutes at a time. And I noticed that I'm not instantly reaching for my phone and kind of this doom scrolling on social media. And so, you know, already starting my day, kind of prioritizing myself um, led to so many changes. And I think it was when I really noticed it was when my partner one morning unprompted was like, you're different. (laughs) You know, there's something different about you in the morning. And I'm like, yeah, I'm less crazy. (laughs) Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually kind of calm and starting to enjoy my mornings. Um, and so that was the biggest benefit that I noticed right away. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome to hear. Um, I, I always say, you know, I, I feel like, um, while like experiencing great tangible shifts in our life is important. And it's the reason that we continue practicing Buddhism, the, those like subtle, only you know you kind of changes are my absolute favorite because sometimes you can't even explain them to other people um, or it looks like a portion of your day is just going differently, but it's just like something's different about the way I'm experiencing life right now, you know? So I hear you. Um, Well, okay. And then, you know, I I know that, um, let me ask actually, did you, before we move into sort of each element, um, because I want to kind of hear how then when you added steady and you connected to the community and so forth, how things changed. But before we go there, um, in terms of like any specific goals that you might have had, you know, did you write down goals? Like this is an area of my life that I want to transform or were you just kind of chanting and how did you see it sort of start to impact your life at large, if that makes sense or any kind of specific benefits that emerged? Yeah, that's a great question. 
I didn't start with any goals. The goal was like, have a good morning that leads to a quality day in which I feel like I'm in control. And I think that was like just number one. Um, And I kind of started from there. Um, It's funny though, because the more I chanted, the more space I had in my head to start to think about goals. And to be honest, I had been scared to set goals. Um, You know, I was really hesitant for a while because I used to set goals. And when I wouldn't meet those goals, I would get really discouraged, you know, and and then it would be like, well, I don't want to keep setting goals and not meeting them. Um, And so I had kind of just stopped in general. But once I was able to set up the foundation of my day and create this space in my mind to then start to think about my goals and dreams, they really started to come into focus. Now I am chanting for specific goals, but it wasn't like that for probably the first six months of my practice. I totally hear you. And that's very, very real. Um, so so let's try to break things down a little bit because um, I would love to hear how adding each element of the practice then changed your experience of the practice. Um, so, so just to recap, it sounds like you were first introduced to Buddhism. Years later, you sort of have the thought to actually seek it out. You start listening to the podcast, reading books, and then you start chanting completely by yourself at home. Um, And at some point, you decided to reach out to the community and start, you know, join your local district and and get to know other people. So can you tell me that story? Like, once you'd been chanting for a while, how long had passed? And then like, what did you what it occurred to you to reach out and, and why? And how did you do it? Yeah, I was probably chanting for about three months consistently before I reached out to the SGI, Um, it was kind of funny. I mean, I was chanting and really noticing my life improving and I was studying, I was, I like to read. So I was, you know, reading books and learning a lot. And, you know, you'll hear in the podcast or if you read, you know, um, certain books, you'll you'll hear mention of the Buddhist community and, you know, how it's good to have Buddhist friends. And I was like, wow, I guess I should reach out to the SGI and let them know that I'm practicing <laughs> and ready to make some Buddhist friends. Um, so, yeah, I, re- I just sent them an email, you know, um, and I was like, hey, I'm super interested in this Buddhism, you know, and... Someone got back to me. They connected me with my local district here in Chicago, um, which there are are quite a few districts in the city, but um, they kind of group it by neighborhood. So um, actually practicing with folks who are nearby, although everything is virtual right now. Um, But so I was connected to my local district and 
I think it's funny. I was thinking about this. I probably may have reached out sooner, but there was something, I don't know. I, I maybe kept telling myself that, oh, you need to get better at Buddhism before you reach out or you need to know a little more about this practice or this Buddhism when you, you know, start going to these Buddhist meetings. And it's so silly looking back because the fastest way to learn about Buddhism would probably be to go to a meeting and actually check it out for yourself. Um, But, you know, I don't know. I think I told myself that I had to know a certain amount about this practice, um, which is totally just not true. I mean, you get to the meeting and, you know, you meet folks who have been practicing their whole lives and you meet folks who um, have just started practicing and don't really know anything as well. Um, So, yeah, maybe I was kind of in my own way there at first. (laughs) Understandable, though. I yeah, I, I hear that. So you basically decided to to reach out. Um, you get connected to your local district. And I'm just thinking, you know, for someone who maybe is like has never connected before. Can you just walk me through like what was that experience like? Like what did that actually mean? What actually actually happened at a meeting? And then like how did that start to change your practice or add to it or whatever? Totally. So the district meetings, um, there's typically two meetings a month that a district might have. Um, to put into context for those who may be new, there's a study meeting and there's a discussion meeting. Um, basically, they're about an hour long. Um, you start with an experience by a member, um, someone who's been practicing and kind of just shares how this practice is working in their life right now. Um, And then you study maybe like a Buddhist concept or text and you talk about it, um, share your own experiences as it relates to this piece that you're studying. and then that's that's sort of it, you know. You you um, you kind of talk about how this practice is working for you. You can ask questions. Um, you don't have to talk. I don't think I talked a lot at my first meeting. You know, I think I kind of just listened in, and um, that's totally okay too. Um, it's not very formal, so. You know, for context, we don't have any priests or clergy in the SGI. Um, It's a grassroots Buddhist community. So it's really all member and volunteer run. Um, So there are folks in the group that take turns leading the meeting, um, sharing announcements. um, And that's kind of the format. So... Um, It's totally welcoming and, you know, everyone is is just happy that you're there and there's no judgment. And um, I'll be honest, like as, you know, as a member of like the LGBTQ community, I'm always 
you know, that's on my mind when I'm entering kind of like a new faith space. Um, how are people going to, you know, how am I going to be perceived? How am I going to be welcomed? Um, but I can say that the SGI, even though it's virtual right now, is so welcoming of everyone. And, um, and yeah, they Buddhists come in all shapes and sizes, you know. Um, uh, I was definitely surprised at just the different people you see at a Buddhist meeting um, from all walks of life. Um, so it was very cool. And one of the only spaces where I've really experienced something like that. Mm. Yeah, I, I also hear you there. That's what I've always loved. I've practiced in a bunch of districts now, like when I've moved between the coasts or things like that. And um, I've even been to Buddhist meetings in other countries and like, it's like wild. You're, you're like, it, it can't consistently just be like this everywhere like there's a there's a place where the format breaks you know you would assume and it's just like super diverse like in you know what what other realm of life would I have like a good friend who's in their 80s <laughs> like a another good friend you know who's like I don't know in their 50s completely different life experience from a completely different country like it's it's true diversity so uh I I can imagine that just being like oh wow this feels different you know, because we talk so much about diversity too, but when you feel true diversity, it's very different. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I'd say that really attracted me to the organization. And um, to be honest, I know folks are probably eager to get back, you know, in, into in-person activities, which of course I am as well. Um, but um, even online, I think it's just a very welcoming space that they're able to create in these Zoom meetings. And yeah, it's, you know, you have, you know, folks who are older, you have families who have their kids, you know, with them, um, young people, um, all different, all different walks of life. And I think to give an example of how the community helps me, um, you know, initially I didn't know what I was walking into. You know, I kind of thought maybe this group, you know, wow, these, these Buddhists are, maybe they're so enlightened and, um, you know, they, I, I'm sure they don't have the problems that I'm having, you know, because they have this practice and, um, and it's so funny. I think the community for me, it helps you get out of your own head, um, when it comes to the problems that you have. For example, you know, you, maybe you have a problem at work and, so you're upset about that and you know this thing happened to you at work and you know maybe you have a family member who's sick and you're thinking about them and maybe you're worried about your finances and you know all the all the life things that we worry about throughout our, throughout our day um 
And at least for me, sometimes I think like, wow, I must be the only one having this problem, you know, like this mm-hmm. could only happen to me. And you walk into or you log into a Buddhist meeting and you know, in the course of the meeting, other people share what's going on in their life, the struggles they're having right now. And it's just like, wow, it's not just me. Like everyone's <laughs> having these problems, right? Like um, everyone. And sometimes it really helps with perspective. Like, wow, my problems, they're nothing compared to what some people are going through. You know, so it helps with perspective as well. Um, And definitely being a Buddhist does not mean the absence of problems or challenges in your life. Um, Everyone's going through them. I think the difference is that within the community, we have each other and we have each other's backs and we're supporting each other. And I think one of my district leaders, the way she put it when I joined was, you know, we're going to laugh together. We're going to cry together. Um, and we're going to win together. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that kind of encapsulates my experience with the community so far. Wow, that's a wonderful way to put it. Um, yeah, thank you so much for for sharing all of that. Um, I I have one uh, follow up on this as well, um, which is just so earlier you shared that after you had sort of started chanting like five ten minutes in the morning by yourself, and your experience of the morning like changed, and you're setting yourself up for just a better kind of like quality of your day. Um, once you started, you know, studying more and then participating in the community, um, how did it change, like, your actual chanting? Like, how did your own kind of daily practice kind of get impacted? I definitely deepened my practice. Um, you know, there's this idea that we talk about in the SGI um, that faith equals daily life. And I think, so we have these three pillars of faith, study, and practice. And it's really like three pieces of the puzzle. Um, And when they're all, when you're doing all three, I think that's when you have the biggest impact on your life and receive the biggest benefit. I think I was able to work all three things into my life um, in a way that felt very natural, but super helpful. I, well, for example, actually just before this interview, um, I met with my Buddhist friend. We had a Zoom call and he's been helping me learn the practice. And, um, you know, we were just talking about, you know, how's chanting going? And um, I kind of was talking about how, I well, I've been chanting in the morning, you know, um, but it's been hard at night, you know, because we like to chant in the mornings and at night. And, um, you know, I, I feel kind of tired at night sometimes. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, you know, chant at night 
you know, um, when I want to sometimes. And so we kind of talked about it and, you know, he's like, if this is something you want to do, um, I can like chant with you, you know, and we can, I can do it from my home. And so we'll be like connecting at night, you know, for 15 minutes, you know, um, sitting in front of our Gohanza and the Buddhist altar, um, that we chant in front of. And, um, you know, we can sort of connect and do that together. And I think that is just one example of how kind of being a part of this community helps keep you accountable, helps, helps you meet your goals. So I started doing it for longer periods of time. Um, now I have certain goals that I want to meet, you know, each day. And it's very similar to like the, like we do these bootability challenges, right? Um, uh, like the one that's happening right now. So um, just when you are doing this as part of a group, similar to like working out with a friend, um, <laughs> it just helps you, um, helps you to keep going. Yeah, I totally, totally hear you. I uh, and I also like that you you explain sort of the actually I I meant to do this, but for anyone who's new, the sort of three pillars that you describe faith, practice, and study are faith is basically like a willingness to believe in your own bootability. Um, practice is actually chanting, and then also dialogue and um, you know sharing what the practice with other people, dialoguing about the practice with other people, and then study is actually studying texts yourself so that you're not just you know, no blind faith. We do have to study our, ourselves. Um, so just to, just to clarify that. But I appreciate that you you brought those up because I, too, you know, it doesn't matter like how long you've practiced. Anytime I'm kind of feeling a little like out of it or lazy or ah, this problem's a bit hard. I need to like up it in some way. I go through that little list in my head and I'm like, what's lacking? And if I need help, then I'll definitely call a friend from the Buddhist community and be like, I should be chanting more, but I can't get myself to, you know, and then we'll do it together or they'll just share what they've been doing. Um, so thank you for, for keeping it real um, because it's not magic. It's a practice. Absolutely. And I don't mean, you know, there's so much more that the community provides other than accountability, you know, um, just the support of having friends who you can go through these major life events with, um, you know, good times, bad times, um, who also enjoy talking about Buddhist concepts, you know, you might not get that everywhere. So if you enjoy talking about Buddhist concepts, then, you know, um, the community would be a great place to do that. Um, so yeah, there's, um, there's a lot that the community provides. Um, and I think the biggest thing, once I started to put all three together, faith, practice, and study, I started to be able to come up with concrete goals in my life. And mm -hmm. I think for the first time in a while, I've set some goals. I wrote them down. 2022, I have some specific goals that I want to achieve. And I have actually lined them up with 
certain dates within the SGI um, so that when we when I go to a meeting and we talk about these upcoming dates, for example, um, I'll be motivated to, you know, achieve it by that time and um, it'll serve as that kind of reminder. And I think one of the biggest things that I realized was that I wanted to kind of reinvigorate and relaunch my acting career. Um, I know you've had so many amazing actors and artists on this podcast, which is probably another thing that has resonated with me. And so I have determined to sort of relaunch my acting career. Um, I have some big goals this year that I want to meet. Um, in terms of auditions and how many I want to do and who I want to submit myself to in terms of casting agencies. And um, so all of these goals have started to come into mind, um, I think, because I have put faith, practice and study, um, you know, that I've solidified those in my life. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. Um, and I, I really, uh, I, I think it's also very relatable what you're describing about, like, once you sort of open up space in your life, in Buddhism, we call it expanding our life, like our practice helps us expand our kind of capacity in very inexplicable ways, you know, do you just feel different? Um, so it sounds like a, a wonderful example of exactly that, like you have kind of room in your life to dream and allow yourself to be inspired and have goals and challenge them. And I assume also deal with the setbacks that will ine inevitably kind of show up along the way. So um, yeah, thank you for sharing that. I, uh, I want to be mindful of time. So I'm going to I'm going to move to our last couple questions. Um, but uh, so study, we also, you know, you've mentioned that you started reading right away because you enjoy reading. And that also in um, meetings in the Buddhist community, study is often an element of, um, uh, of you know, this discussion, basically. So I'm wondering um, if you have a favorite Buddhist concept or quote or something that sort of has stuck with you since you've begun. Yeah, something that has really seen me through the challenges of this past year um, is this Buddhist concept of changing poison into medicine. Um, mm -hmm. So for some context, as I understand it, Nishiren expands on this concept throughout his writings. He's actually quoting a third century Buddhist text. Um, and he expands on this concept of changing poison into medicine, which to me basically means that we can transform any negative situation that comes our way. And not only can we overcome it, we can actually grow from it and use it as fuel for our growth. And just this idea of changing poison into medicine, I think re resonates with me, especially, you know, in the workplace, when it feels like you can really come across some poisonous situations, I'll be like, okay, I, I have to change this into medicine. Like I'm going to use this negative situation and really grow from it. Um, so that has been super helpful. And I do have um, 
a piece of writing from a Buddhist philosopher Daisaku Ikeda that I would like to share if it's okay. Yeah, sure. Um, so it's, uh, let me pull it up here. It's from the book, You Were Born to Win. And this is actually um, for a youth audience, um, but I think it's applicable to life in general and all people. So it says, youth is a painful time. It is full of problems, but dealing with such troubles helps us grow as human beings. When we look back at the times we really suffered, the times we thought were the most miserable, we see that these were the most precious times of all. If you're sad and lonely, then you should acknowledge those feelings. Don't try to distract yourself from them with shallow amusements. Don't diminish them. Go through those feelings, bravely weather them, and turn them into nourishment for your growth. And he goes on to say, our destiny does not come from somewhere outside us. It is shaped within our own hearts day by day. If we find life boring, it might be because we've let ourselves become boring. If life seems empty, it might be because we've allowed ourselves to grow empty and shallow. If we feel fed up with life, then life might actually be saying the same to us. We can only lead lives that match the way we live with them. Somewhere in the world, a mission is waiting for you, a mission that only you can fulfill. It is waiting for you, counting the days. Since that is the case, you must live. You must keep going until the day you encounter your mission. To shine, you must burn with an inner light, and that fire that produces that inner light is fueled by problems and suffering. The problems of youth are themselves sources of light. So I know that's kind of long, but um, I Whoa. think that I think is um, I think that actually helps explain this idea of changing poison into medicine and how we can use the problems and suffering in our life as fuel for growth and opportunities for growth. Um, mm. So yeah, that's, uh, I that's love a couple that. concepts that I've liked. Yeah, I really love that. So uh, just a follow up to that, to that quote, um, because I'm just thinking, you know, just like imagining kind of where you were at when you first began this whole journey um, at the beginning of last year. And now kind of this inspiration of the idea that you have this mission, as the quote says, um, how do you see that like for yourself, like in terms of, you know, what your mission is? And have you sort of come to understand what it is? Is it something that you're currently exploring? Just curious. I think I have. Um, I haven't really shared it with anyone yet, but... <laughs> you don't have to. You don't um, have to if you don't no, want to. No, I, I will. Um, so I actually, in front of my gohanzen every morning, I say that I am a Kosen Rufu actor. And I want to mean that in every sense of the way that I'm saying it. Um, so what I mean is that, yes, I want to be an actor. I want to be a impactful, successful actor and artist. Um, but I want to do that to ultimately show people the power of this practice, the power of chanting Nam Myoho Renge Kyo. Um, and 
I want my victory to be an inspiration for other people. And I know I have a, a far way to go, but um, uh, that's kind of what I see my mission as now, um, is being an actor for world peace and also working towards world peace um, in my life and striving to help others and make a difference in this world. Mm, I love that. That's amazing. And um, sorry, I know I keep saying we're doing the last question, but <laughs> one one other Is small it- follow up here. I just I'm just curious, you know, thinking back to where you were at um, at the again, again, at the beginning of this journey, like what was your sort of mindset toward acting then? Was it like, I'll get back to this one day? Was it like, this is over for me? Just just so I want to sort of have some context because that's a really significant kind of determination to make, you know? Yeah, it was no longer in my life. Um, I think I had just, you know, it was something, acting was something that I studied in college and that I pursued both before college, um, had worked professionally here in the city. Um, and, you know, I, I studied it and ultimately once I graduated, I didn't do much with acting or theater, pursued other things. Um, and ultimately it kind of fell by the wayside, um, because I think there was also a lot of, you know, fear and hesitation that comes with that as well, um, that probably any artist can speak to, um, and maybe any recent college grad, honestly, you know, you, you leave college and it's like, well, what am I supposed to do now? You know, um, I'm still learning how to be an adult in this world, um, So it was really um, not in my life, but through the chanting, through the practice, I was able to take steps to, um, you know, yeah, bring it back into my life. I, I started taking an acting class and I don't think I would have taken that class had it not been for the encouragement of some of the members in my district, to be honest. Um, I I was t- sharing in a meeting, you know, that I had an opportunity to take this advanced on-camera acting class, but I was really worried about the time and, you know, it was eight weeks long and it was, you know, three hours a week and I don't know if I could fit it in with my job and, um, I got some encouragement from members in my district. You know, they were all like, you can do this. Like, this is your mission. (laughs) Um, And I'm like, okay, you know. So I chanted and I just determined, you know, that I was going to make time and um, that I was going to triumph over any time constraints. And um, it ended up being a great class. And I left super inspired and... Um, that led to me, you know, just reinvigorating um, this acting within my life and, you know, setting goals um, to keep on going. So, yeah, it was a huge part of the practice has been a huge part of why I um, have been thinking about this again. 
Yeah. Yeah, I really love that. Because um, I think that, especially given the, the last kind of two, three years now, the I think there's many, many people that um, whatever little glimmer of excitement of a version of your life you may have had, I think a lot of people sort of let that go because just kind of making it through every day has felt difficult. So I am... Um, I actually think it's really, yeah, it's a it's an amazing benefit of chanting, just discovering, rediscovering in some cases what will make you happy and then having the guts to stick to that path. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Um, so uh, this show's name is Bootability, as you know, um, and I'm very curious to hear because you've now had the experience of listening to I guess, stories about this idea of bootability before you started chanting. And then now you're very much, you know, the practice is part of your life. So um, how will you define your bootability? I like the definition that is sometimes used within the SGI. Um, I see my bootability as limitless, wisdom, courage, and compassion. Um, and I think that really kind of sums it up. Um, it's bringing your best self to everything that you do. Um, you're not going to feel that way all the time. Um, but what's great is that by chanting, um, we are calling forth this bootability. Um, I kind of almost look at it as like, we're remembering who we really are, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I define my bootability as limitless wisdom, courage, and compassion. Yeah, it, re it really does encapsulate everything. I think those those three words are way more profound, I think, than one can even experience, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so uh, we'll move to my last question, which is how the show always ends. Um, and this is particularly, I think, time timeline-wise, most likely this episode, I think, is going to come out um, around the end of this bootability journey, this challenge. So um, keeping in mind people who might be new to Buddhism, maybe they're just exploring, or maybe they just did or are finishing up, you know, this kind of one month chanting challenge. Um, if you could give one piece of advice, what would you give to them? Well, I've shared so much. So thank you for the opportunity. Um, really, it's, it's been awesome. And um, yeah, just so grateful. So um, I think my advice would really be to just start you know, be, um, uh, have fun with it, um, come as you are. Um, you don't need to be some well-read Buddhist master to <laughs> come to a Buddhist meeting and um, get something out of it, you know. Um, come as you are, come with your problems, come with your questions. Um, and, you know, you'll be you'll be welcome. And I think you'll be glad that you did. What I loved about hearing Nick's story is that it felt so much like a story of rediscovering what was already in his life. 
As we say on the show, bootability is a potential we already have in our life. We're already enlightened. It's only as we face obstacles, stress, and our own messiness that we start to forget it. Chanting Nam-myoho-renge-kyo is an amazing tool to tap back into it. I think Nick shared it all today, so I'll just close with a big congratulations to everyone who has been participating in this month's Bootability Chanting Challenge. Whether you're new, have been listening for a while, or just have questions, you can always reach out to us by emailing connect at sgi-usa.org. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week.